Hey guys, welcome back to episode six of Dynasty Kings. Today we are talking about the 2022 wide receiver draft class. Um, if you notice the difference in the intro, that's because my co-host Jake is sitting out on this one. You know, uh, I guess that's more important stuff to do on a Friday. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're just talking about the wide receiver draft class here. I do a lot of college stuff. You can find my work at uh, campusdecan.com. Love those guys. Looking to get into college, like fantasy football. They're the ones to go to for that, looking just for college information at all whatsoever. Those are your go-to experts for all that. So um, if you're in a rebuild like I am, I take on a lot of orphans each year. Uh, I like to look into the upcoming class. Now, just to talk about this class in comparison to last class, the top is not nearly as heavy. Uh, last year you had Jamar Chase, you had uh, Devontae Smith, you have Jalen Waddle, um, Terrence Marshall, uh, Elijah Moore. The top of this class is not it cannot compete to the top of last class, um, but it's a deeper class. So there's a lot more prospects here to get more excited about. Um, so after the top five, it doesn't just drop off. Um, there's a lot of good prospects here. And I'm just here to like highlight some ones for you guys to check out. Now to underline mine and Jake's process, Jake, as you heard him talk all the time about his numbers, his analytics, like he loves that stuff. Um, his model tells us that stats can help us predict an incoming rookie's fancy success. Now those indicators so far are dominator rating early declare and draft capital. Now, if you're wondering what a dominator rating is, it's the percentage of yards and touchdowns the wide receiver accounts for in their offense. Um, so it's just kind of a number percentage that helps us understand how dominant they were for their team. Like, in, yeah, in comparison to their team. Uh, and then um, as far as early declare goes, you might wonder like why is breakout age not on here. Once uh, Jake uh, dove into Early declare, he found that that was more of an indicator than actual breakout age. Uh, I still care about breakout age. I care about a few things, but uh, as far as Jake, Jake might be keeping stuff from me because we're in a lot of leagues together. But uh, there's no correlation to the two. Like so, for example, I really like a lot when my receivers have a higher catch rate than the quarterback has a completion percentage. It just numbers wise that tells me that the receiver is making catches he shouldn't. He is, he's adjusting, he is making more effort to catching balls that aren't exactly on the money. I mean, not every quarterback is an NFL prospect, you know. So a lot of these receivers might not have good quarterbacks and and they still become successful once they get to the NFL. So now my thing is that I watch a lot of film. That's what I provide for Campus Canton guys. Um, and I like when the film and the analytics meet up. It's just, you know, a match made in heaven. It's just an absolute marriage for me. So, yeah, let me see. Without further ado, let's, let's, let's dive in. Oh, so before I get started, I'm going to talk about 19 prospects here. Um, will all these guys go to the draft? No, they're not. They're draft eligible, though. Um, and you're wondering why this number. So the 2019 class had 13 prospects come through between round one through three. And the 2020 class had 17 prospects, and the 2021 class, the current class, had 15 prospects. So I'm just using averages there for those last three years. We're looking at 15 prospects between rounds one and three. Now, why do I only care about those rounds? Um, that goes into our indicators is, is draft capital. It matters. When teams draft a receiver early, that means that they have a current plan for that receiver. You know, they, they invested in real draft capital, and they actually have a plan for them. They're going to focus on his development. Whereas like rounds like four through like seven, those are teams describing like, you know, their guy or they think somebody slipped in the fourth. 
But just because they think somebody slipped in the fourth doesn't mean they have a plan for that receiver. So it makes it very easy for them to cut ties. Um, new coaching staff comes in. They didn't make that pick. They don't want that player. And it's, it's not like they invested a lot into him. So that is why we look at rounds one through three. Now, there are players like round four that like, so for example, Amon Ross St. Brown. Love the guy. I love the prospect. He didn't make the cut for the top first three rounds. And I still planted my flag on him. Um, now that the season started, I no longer have that rookie fever. And I'm absolutely looking to sell him for a second round or anywhere I can. Um, not afraid to hold on to him, though, but I'm looking to sell. Now, just to put some numbers to that actual information, uh, fourth round wide receivers since 2000. So we're looking at the last 20 years, 21 years. Well, this season just started. So let's say 20 years. These are the only fourth round wide receivers to hit a top 24 season. As in, like, I actually consider them an actual hit. It's uh, Jericho. I'm going to mess up this last name. But he was a top 24 receiver. Brian Hardline was a top top 24 wide receiver. Mike Williams, 2010 Mike Williams, hit a top 24 wide receiver season. And then you had Brandon Marshall hit top six. Now, these guys, so Jericho was drafted in 2004. Brandon Marshall was drafted in 2006. Hardline was drafted in 2009 and Mike Williams was drafted in 2010. So we haven't seen a fourth round wide receiver be relevant since, well, fancy relevant, since 2010. Now, you can be funny and be like, oh, so we're overdue, which, you know, it keeps the dream alive for Amara St. Brown. Um, but that's why we don't put our stock into fourth round receivers. If you if you want to make him your guy and get him in the third round of your rookie drafts, that's fine. That's cool. I, I, I can respect that. I have some of my guys that I, like, they don't work out in the draft, and I still got to go get them, you know, to stand my ground for a little bit. Um, but that's why we don't really, we don't look at those guys once they hit that 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 line. So let's let's dive in here. All right. So if you're into tier basing or rank basing, I'm just going to go into tiers right now. So the way I look at it for tiers is that you have power five and G5 conferences. Um, when you hear someone say P5, it's power five. Power five means the divisions that, well, they're the better divisions that make better prospects. That's like your SEC, your Pac-12, um, your ACC. And then like your G5 is like, you know, Mountain West, MAC, AAC. Um, those guys don't tend to work out in the NFL level. They just play lesser competition. So when they dominate, they're expected to dominate. And at that point, you just kind of have to put your flag on it, wait for that draft capital. But the expectations for those guys to be successful are a lot lower. So for tiers, um, you have route runners and alphas. Jake loves his alpha receivers. He'll get on here and tell you all about what X receiver you should go for. Especially when you look at like the top 12 um, receivers each year. Most of those guys tend to have the alpha build. Um, there's only a few route runners in that group. And there may be a mix between big guys and route runners, but the alpha receivers tend to be more successful as far as fantasy goes to get those big games. You know, the route runners just apply the nice safe floor. Um, it's, it's an ongoing debate between which of those two groups you like more. So let me start off. So for my tiers, right? So for tier one, tier one for me is those polished route runners with high floors. And I believe we'll have a longevity in the league from power five schools. And those players this year are Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, John Mechie, Jahan Dotson, Jakari Robertson, Zay Flowers, and Wandale Robinson. Now tier two for me is going to be athletic wide receivers with alpha profiles. They can be that X and they're also from the Power 5 Conference, and that's going to be Traylon Burks, George Pickens, David Bell, 
Justin Ross, Drake London. And I absolutely get if you want to put David Bell in a polished route runner category. Now, for Tier 3, I have the Group of 5 Alphas with production profiles and athletic profiles to develop. So these guys are just absolutely dominating the easier competition. Uh, and that's going to be Jalen Tolbert of South Alabama uh, and Romeo Dobbs of Nevada. And then Tier 4 is a Group of 5 route runners who have absolutely dominated their competition. And that's just going to be Kalo Shakir and Reggie Robertson. So let me get into some detail here. So my wide receiver one of the 2022 draft class is going to be Traylon Burks. Um, out of these big men here on this list, there's one thing that really sticks out between all of them. And like this does play a role for me in my process, is that Traylon Burks is probably the only one that doesn't have an extensive injury history. Um, if you put David Bell in the route running category, that is. George Pickens right now has an a, a, uh, ACL tear. He's not on the field. I, I don't know how he's going to look coming back from injury. I don't really believe he's even going to get to the draft because if he doesn't play this year, I think he'll take one more year off. Uh, Justin Ross had a career-ending injury. Um, he just got the green light to start playing again. He looks good. Um, I'm going to wait for the entire season until I can say he's the same player he used to be. And so Traylon Briggs is at the top of my list. I think he's athletic. He's big. Um, he started off 2019 as a freshman just as a deep threat. Flashing a little bit here and there, make you feel really good about who he was as a true freshman. He boasts his speed, size, and, and just absolute ball skills and just great hands and great tracking. Uh, he has poor QB play. He has poor QB play this year, so it's, it's just really hard to see what his ceiling is. But this guy's standing at six foot three, two twenty-five. He's twenty-one years old. He's got a fifty-three point four percent downer rating in the SEC. Broke out as a freshman. And uh, yeah, he's catching balls. Just he's just insane. He's an insane athlete, and uh, he looks like better after his freshman sophomore year, and he's gonna look better this year. And uh, time will tell. My wide receiver two in the class is gonna be Garrett Wilson. He's a five-star recruit. He's six foot one ninety-five. Um, now with these dominant rings and these breakout ages, you have to take it with a grain of salt. With these schools like Alabama and Ohio, uh, these guys are constant factories for talent in the NFL. And just NFL prospects, so it's it's not really. He could be the greatest freshman on earth, and I don't think he's going to get much um, exposure just because these teams are just so deep. Uh, so, and his internal competition is Chris Olave. So this guy is getting 30.9% dominator while being on the same roster as Chris Olave, who was probably going to be a top top five rookie pick last year if he came out. Um, and we'll talk more about him in a little bit. So. Uh, Garrett Wilson lines up inside and outside. He's a route runner. Uh, he has great acceleration, great burst, and he can get vertical for a ball. A little bit on the skinny side, but that's fine because he can put on that weight in the NFL. He's got more years in front of him. He doesn't really need to put on that much weight. He's already at 195. I mean, that, that gets it done, honestly. He just isn't as physical. You want to see him get better blocking, but besides that, he does it all. He has great hands. He's just, he's just an absolute athlete. Now, my wide receiver three this year. I'm not nearly as high on uh, going to the season right now. This guy is, it's, it's John Mechie III. Um, Devontae Smith is gone, Devontae Waddle, no, whew, messing it up. Devontae Smith is gone and Jalen Waddle is gone. Uh, those two guys were just phenomenal players. Now that he's the de facto number one for Bryce Young, I'm just not seeing, I'm seeing a transfer takeover. I, I'm not gonna talk about the transfer today, but I bet I will later on. Now, John Mechie had 900 yards receiving last year, but that's only a 17% dominant rating. That's very low. Um, so it doesn't even constitute as a breakout age. Uh, and and that's, that's 
again, take it with a grain of salt because it's Alabama. They have tons of talent. Um, and he's not going to get the opportunity to wait like other schools are that just rely on one guy. I mean, his internal competition the last years were Jerry Judy, Henry Rouge, Jalen Wilde, Devontae Smith, and now he's got Jameson Williams. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. He, he might still get first-round draft capital. Alabama guys always do, but he's a locked-in for a second-round draft capital, and that's, that's what we like. And he'll be up and early to clear. That's if he comes out. And then he's already hitting on two of the markers. He's just not hitting on dominant rating. But if the film looks good, like, I'm in. I'm in. And if he goes to the right landing spot, I'm in even more. So, uh, John Mechie put up oh, 3.55 yards per route run against press coverage. That's fifth most in the last five years combined. So, he gets targeted on his routes. Um, his contested catch rate needs some help. He caught four, for, four of 13 contested catches last year. I'm just looking for improvement through the year. We're only three games in. I'm not panicking. Um, but he's not looking like the stud that I thought he was so far. I, I don't think he'll ever drop out of my top ten, but he's probably going to drop out of my top five here by midseason if he keeps this up. Why is he for four now? It's Chris Olave. Now, Chris Olave decided to stay back last year uh, to add on size, which makes me a little less excited about him because it's not that early to clear that we like. Um, I mean, he's still got all the tools and, and even like when you look at his size like he's he is a uh, six foot what is it six foot one 190 you know like that's a fine size like i i don't understand he could have put on the extra five pounds whatever he wanted to get to while in summer camp i mean he had a, all off season to do it if he wanted to so anyway moving on he's a sophomore his breakout his dominant rating is a 31.9 percent so almost the same as garrett wilson who is a year younger and doing the exact same that chris olave is doing um, yeah, so his, he, he also posted a 83.3% catch rate, which, you know, is a big, big win for me. I love that. So he's got great hands and he just, he just does it all. He does it all. He has great speed, great hands. It's a deep threat. He can run routes. He's going to be super successful at the NFL level. Now my wide receiver five, who I think some people might think is a little low right now, uh, it's going to be George Pickens. George Pickens has an, has an ACL tear right now. He's not playing. Uh, I don't know when he'll be back, uh, but if he doesn't play this year, I'm not expecting him to come out for the draft. I expect him to want to wait, improve his draft capital, go out and show that he's still got it. Um, so he's going to miss out on that early declare, but he is eligible for the draft, and that's why I'm talking about him right now. He's six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, he's t- only 20 years old, so he's younger than Traylon Burks. He has not only an 18 breakout age, but he's also there as a freshman. So 32% dominator rating. Uh, this guy is just great. Um, he's great. I, I don't believe he has a lot of speed. I mean, his, his 40 time coming out of high school, and again, I know it's high school, so things change, was a 4.73. So I, I think he's more of a physical bully, a great deep threat with amazing hands and ball tracking skills, um, physical play, but he doesn't have that speed. He doesn't really get that separation. And like, I don't attack me for this comparison, but, you know, he's looking a little bit more like the Kill Harry type than anything else. So, and it's not that contested catch guys in the NFL need those separation, but it's really nice when they do. Like, it makes you feel better about it. You don't hope for the contested catch guy, but you, you hope that they have separation skills. So just, just for example, like Devontae Parker, right? Devontae Parker was a great contested catch receiver, but he was never found success in the NFL. Like, not, not on a fantasy level, right? He had that one year as a wide receiver, one numbers. Uh, with Fitzpatrick throwing to him. Now, Fitzpatrick doesn't care. He'll throw him that deep ball. 
Uh, Tua won't because Tua played for Alabama. He's used to his receivers getting open. Um, and that one year that he was super success, his fantasy success that one year came off of a 89% contested catch rate. That's unreal. That's insane. I don't think anyone's ever going to do that ever again. But, you know, that's that's why I like my guys that can separate. So as long as they don't have speed, and these, these NFL corners are a lot better than college corners, a lot more physical, I don't think these big men are going to succeed. So I need to see all these pieces line up. I need to see the speed. I need to see separation. I need to see hands. So I'm just going to keep moving forward now. Now my wide receiver six, this might be a little bit surprising to you guys, um, is Jahan Dotson of Penn State. He's a four-star recruit. He is, I mean, he's just great. He, he's a little on the smaller side. He's 5'11", 183, right? He's 21. So he's going to miss, he had a breakout, later breakout age of a junior year. He's currently playing through his, his senior year. Um, but he's he's good. He's small. He's fast. He's, he gives me a lot of like uh, a lot of um, Elijah Moore, a lot of like Devonte uh, Smith vibes. You know where he's he's not going to win physically, but he has great hands and he's fast. He can route run and he's elusive in the open field. Um, you know, hence his like 17 yards per reception. It's not that Penn State has a good quarterback that gets the ball to him. He just makes these fantastic adjustments to get to their ball. And I think the way he's playing this year so far, he's absolutely a lock as a round two wide receiver. But again, he's not going to be an early declare, so Jake's going to be off of him. Uh, probably be a late first, maybe an early second round pick in your rookie drafts. But since he's not hitting all these marks, he's not getting that first round draft capital buzz, he might fall a bit. Definitely not like a top, top recruit here. My wide receiver is seven. Now, if you want to argue me that this is too low, that's fine. Because I think I can agree with you on that. It's going to be Purdue's David Bell. David Bell is a four-star recruit. He was 2019 Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, he was 2020 First Team All Big Ten. Like this guy is great. Uh, if you were a fan of Rondell Moore and probably watched Purdue to watch Rondell Moore, you probably saw a lot of David Bell. Rondell Moore was only uh, successful during his freshman year because he was always dealing with injuries. David Bell stepped up immediately and filled that void just fine. I think he had an 1,000-yard receiving season every single year. I don't think he did last year, but I think that's because of the shortened game. But the, the pace he was on was a 1,000-yard season. I think Actually, I know for a fact it was 1,200 yards was, was his pace and 16 touchdowns. So now Purdue has really poor quarterback play. So if you look at his yards per reception, it's like 11.8. It's low. It's not really his fault, again. It's because of poor quarterback play. But this guy is, I mean, he is he is great. I mean, he broke out as a freshman. He's solid. He, he is so reliable. He is absolutely Purdue's go-to guy. And every defense knows it. They've known it for years, and they still can't stop him. He is just, he's going to be rising up my rankings. And depending on draft capital, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be an underground stud, probably. He's six foot two, 205. I don't know how fast he is, but... We'll wait for those combine numbers, but he has great hounds, rounding ability at six foot two, and he's really good at reading his own scheme. Uh, my wide receiver eight. Now again, not really putting my flag on this one right now. So this is kind of more of a preseason ranking. Uh, these first couple games are always kind of easier for teams, but it's going to be uh, Clemson's Justin Ross. So coming off of that career-ending injury, he took a year off. Now he was 2018 freshman All-American. Uh, He's a four-star recruit. He's six foot four, two hundred five. 
Uh, Dominic Reed is only at 23.6%. It's kind of low. Last year was supposed to be his year with uh, Trevor Lawrence. I would have loved to see that. Um, now we have DJ. I'm going to mess up his name, but DJU, who's struggling in his own right now. So Justin Ross is also just very similar to George Pickens, where he's not a burner. He's just a really tall, contested catch guy, and he's very good at what he does. Um, he is uh, he hauled in nine of thirteen contested catches between his freshman and junior year, and between 2018 and 2019, he came away with the third most touchdowns on targets of 20 plus yards downfield. So 11 of those, which was 11, 11 touchdowns. He's physical. He's good at playing at the line. He's good at the hands game. He's he's got the size. He's got the body control. He adjusts in the air. He ball tracks. Um, he just lacks speed and route running ability. Uh, so, you know, he's somebody to keep an eye on to make sure that he bounces back and he looks just the way he did when he left us. All right, now my wide receiver, nine. Now, this is where we're going to get into my first G5 guy here. And I'm absolutely in love. My, fl my flag is planted on him. And, and if he doesn't get picked in the first three rounds, I'm going to pick him up anyway in my rookie draft. And um, as soon as the season rolls around, I'll come back down to earth and be like, I got to sell this guy for a second round pick or something. Like, whatever. So, Khalil Shakir of Boise State. He's a four-star recruit, chose to stay close to home. He's six foot, 190. His dominant rating is a 42.5%. He's a sophomore breakout age. Now, just to give a little comparison on uh, who was on his team before, was John Hightower. John Hightower, I believe, was a six-round pick to the Eagles about two years ago. And Khalil Shakir outproduced him when John Hightower was on the team. So, like, it's a guarantee this guy gets drafted. I mean, six-round picks to the floor. I'm just trying to provide an internal comparison for uh, you guys with the listeners. So, and honestly, if, if you guys watch uh, Chris Olave, I think Khalil Shakir does the exact, has the exact same skill set as Chris Olave, and you're probably getting him for a discount because he didn't go to Ohio State. Chris Olave can win at, like, all – all levels of the field, he has good size, he has route running ability, he's super elusive in the open field. I mean, his highlight tape is electric. Like, if you guys have never heard of this play before, please go out and look. He's having a great year. He, I believe he started off this, the season, his first game was five catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. His second game was against UTEP, which is like, you know, not a great team, but he still burned them for 170 yards. And then they put all their secondary guys in the third quarter and just sat him down. I and mean, he was having a career day. He was torching them which is what he's supposed to do because it's weaker competition. Uh, they also use him, by the way, for like end arounds and stuff like that. They use him for gadget plays. And that, that just adds more to his skill set for uh, NFL coaches to use. So diverse player. I love his hands. I love his speed. I love his physical. Well, he doesn't have a lot of physical blocking play. But I, I believe that he, he can get open. He, he lined up out wide for 60% and the slot for 30%. So he... He has the skill set to line up all along the formation, which is also important to me, too. If you look at just pure slot guys in college, and then you move them to the slot at the NFL level, I, I want these players to be moved all over the place. Um, as far as like slot receivers go, the only one that's super successful right now is Keenan Allen. Uh, I know off the top of my head, I believe third overall for targets last year for slot receivers was Russell Gage. And was Russell Gage a top like 36 receiver? No, he wasn't. And then I think number five was Danny Amendola from Detroit. Was he fantasy relevant? No, he's not. So these receivers are locked in into solely the slot role. I don't want them. They're not going to be successful. They'll be great NFL players, like like no doubt, sure. But for fantasy, 
these guys will not become studs. If that's all they can do is just line up in the slide and that's what they're known for, I think that's it. I mean, the Patriots find success with like Julian Edelman and stuff like that, but it's 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 an outlier, and I I just don't want to bet on a very small, like marginal portion that that they're going to be very good at the next level. All right, Khalil Shakir, remember the name. He's moving up my rankings. He's wide receiver nine right now. I'm probably like I if I had to redo my rankings today, like right now, I, I think I probably have wide receiver seven. Again, he doesn't belong to a power five conference, so his draft capital is going to dictate a lot. And he's also a senior, so he's missing that early declare. Two marks against him as far as analytics go, but he's still my guy. All right, let's go on to Romeo Dobbs, another G5 receiver. Uh, Carson Strong, if you guys are um, watching college football, you've definitely heard the name Carson Strong. He's definitely on everyone's radar getting a first-round draft capital. He's, um, he's a pocket passer. I don't want to like, draw comparisons like Mac Jones, but that's kind of his skill set. He he just sits in the pocket. He throws it. He's a game manager. He's he, he's not a dual threat. He's not going to rush for 100 yards like the whole season. Like he won't. So, well, this is this is about Romeo Dobbs, not not Carson Strong. So <laughs> back to Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs is uh, another great receiver. He he stepped up last year when Elijah Cook went down. Elijah Cook was supposed to be the guy for Nevada, but once he went down, Romeo Dobbs stepped up. He's six foot, 200 pounds with a 34.1% dominant rating. He also broke out his sophomore year. Now, he's again competing with Elijah Cooks, who's now back from his injury, and he's back as a super senior. And then you have, I believe it's a sophomore, Torrey Horton, Horton who is getting his own uh, hype train as well. But he is an absolute uh, size speed freak. He's going to run a great 40 time at the combine, and he has the size to be successful on the outside. Um, he broke 12 tackles during the shortened 2027. Like that's pretty high. That's that's shows shiftiness in the open field. He has a willingness to block. Um, what I don't like is I don't like his second effort to get yards. He doesn't give the second effort to give yards like at all. He, if you watch this tape, like he'll catch a ball, he'll he'll do a move, and then if the defender doesn't bite, he'll just hop out of bounds. And it's like, why, why don't you take like three steps forward, maybe see some contact and give me the extra five yards that your team wants and needs. Uh, but he just doesn't do that too often. And I I don't know, that, that screams lack of effort to me, and, and it's kind of off-putting. It doesn't make me excited about who he is as a player and as a prospect. Uh, but during his five games last year for the short and COVID season, he averaged 155.6 yards per game and nine touchdowns during that streak. Now, the last four games of last year, so he played nine games, he... Average only 56 yards a game. Now, I personally don't understand that drop in production. Um, I couldn't help you guys understand that either. But it's something that I that's on my radar and I'm looking for this year. Like if he's going to produce or not the way he used to, or if he's going back to 56 yards per game and that's it. Uh, then he will drop my rank if he's not producing. Like I mean, it's a G5 receiver. Like I need him to constantly be dominant for me to like, you know, view him as a solid prospect. Uh, my gosh, lost my spot. Now, wide receiver 11. I, I got attacked a little bit for tweeting out who this ranking before. It's Drake London of USC. Now, he is hitting every single analytical mark. He comes from a Power 5 conference. He has that super early breakout age. He is a high dominant rating. Um, he's big. But when I watched his tape last year, let me just let me just say this. He's six foot five, two hundred ten pounds. 
Now you would assume that he would line up out wide with that size. You just got to throw it up. He just doesn't even have to jump for it because probably the corners are too short to even compete with him anyway. But he lined up 92% of the time in the slot. He had no ability to create for himself. Uh, the coaches would scheme up like three wide receiver sets on one side and, and the other receivers would you know run their routes and draw off coverage and then he'd just be left open to catch the ball. Now he's very physical. And I'll give him that. He's super physical, and that's how he gets a lot of his 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 production. And he outproduced my favorite, Amon Ra, who was an early fourth round pick. So it's definitely a lock to be a, a day one or two pick. Um, but seeing that was very discouraging. You know, I, I want my players, my receivers, running backs to to be able to create on their own. Like it's fine that they're physical, but if, if they can't get that separation, like I said then I'm not very high on them. Like they, then they have to be on teams where they're like, there's another number one, you know, I, I'm going to draw a comparison right now to, to Mike Evans. Mike Evans is also six foot five. He's the only six foot five receiver that I know of that's successful in the NFL. But he's with Chris Godwin and he has Antonio Brown. So these are these corners, these top corners can't focus on Mike Evans to shut him down. He's in a, he's in a great system. I'm not trying to doubt that he's not a good fantasy football player because he is. But it's because he's in a really good system where he fits. Now, that's my concern for Drake London. Now, so far this year, he's killing it. I haven't really dove into USC gameplay at all. Um, but he is absolutely crushing the numbers, crushing the stats. He is he's putting up prolific numbers. And so I'm going to go back and watch his tape. You know, this is just my, like, early week three, you know, preseason rankings. And that's that's what this is. This is nothing more than just that. So he'll, he'll move up my rankings. But... USC is a little bit of a wide receiver factory themselves. Uh, 2013, Robert Woods. 2014, Marquise Lee. It's a bust. You know, 2015, Nelson Aguilar. He had a top 24 season last year, so, you know, I guess he's not a bust. Uh, 2017, Juju Smith-Schuster. Started off really hot, so he's not a bust either. 2020, Michael Pittman. We're still waiting. Uh, Michael Pittman had a 100-yard receiving game week two, so he's looking up. So besides, like, Marquise Lee, who's just a bona fide uh, – bust and then you have Amon Ross and Brown but he's a fourth round pick um if, if Drake London gets the early draft capital he all the analytics line up we just need to tape the lineup and so far just looking at the numbers haven't watched USC that much it, it looks like the tape's going to line up too and Drake London's going to be an absolute stud and he's going to shoot up my rankings uh wide receiver 12 we have Reggie Robertson I I have a weird I have a very odd, I don't know what to call it, fascination with SMU football. I don't know what it is. I just hope that's, I have, I have no connection to that team. I, I went to University of Kentucky, graduated University of Kentucky, but I always hope those players do well. I don't know why. Uh, Cortland Sutton went there. Um, big fan of Cortland Sutton, too. But anyway, Reggie Robinson is a three star recruit. Uh, he's six foot 201, 33.4% dominant rating. He broke out his sophomore year. Uh, other players from SMU, the while he played there, is Kylan Granson, uh, who's a tight end, went in the third round. And then you have James Prochet, who I believe plays for the Ravens, and he was a day three pick. Now, Robertson's an older prospect, and he's always hurt. He's always injured, and it, it just, it just you know, grinds my gears. But he he is uh he's he's great. He he was averaging twenty one point five yards per catch last year before he got hurt. Um he had a play over eighty yards, two more over seventy. He he has great speed. I mean he is fast. He is fast, he's a route runner, he knows where to be. 
Um, but his quarterback went to the NFL. That's going to be Shane. I mean, I can't remember the name, last name, but the backup quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs went to the Chiefs, and now their new quarterback is Mordecai. I believe he's a transfer from Oklahoma. Um, and they're, they're not clicking. He's cl- he's not getting force-fed the way he would in the past years. So it's, it's kind of hard to gauge how he is as a player. Um, his stat line last week, I know I watched that game. He was 8 for s- five, 5 for 70 and a touchdown. And the touchdown was a hail, a last minute hail mary, and it bounced off somebody's hands, and he caught it. So like without that hail mary touchdown, it was something. It was going to be something like four for fifteen, you know, something that's not great. And he hasn't looked great this year at all whatsoever. Um, so hopefully we get more opportunity to see him through the year, which we will obviously, and I can kind of regauge how he's as a player. But I believe he has the skill set. He's just a bit older. And I, I hope he can get day day two draft capital, but he's odd. He's definitely somebody I can see falling out and getting day uh, day three draft capital. I think I said I hope he gets day two draft capital, but I can see him getting day three draft capital. Uh, my wide receiver thirteen is going to be Jalen Tolbert. Now Jalen Tolbert is a two star recruit. Uh, he is he is also a G five alpha. He went to the Southern Alabama. He is. He was a 2020 first team All Sun Sun Belt Conference. He's six foot three, 200 pounds. He's also an older prospect at 22 and a half years of age as of right now. So he will start his NFL career at 23 years old, or when he you know hits the regular season. Now, just to compare with somebody internally, Kawan Baker was on this team. Now he heavily outproduced Kawan Baker last year, and Kawan ended up being drafted in the sixth or seventh round. So late, late day three pick was Kawan Baker. He went to the Saints. I don't know if he's still on the team. He wasn't really a prospect I kept my eye on. I'm just saying that Jalen Tolbert is a lock to get drafted, like day three minimum. Uh, so he he's he's an alpha here. He has 17 point yards for reception. I, I hope he gets invited to the Senior Bowl. I also love watching the Senior Bowl where he has these, these G5 receivers that, that don't get to show out or that show out against like weak corners will have the opportunity to actually play SEC corners, and you can see if they're the real deal or not, or if they crumble under pressure to higher competition. So, yeah, he he uh, he was one of 11 players last year to reach the 1,000-yard mark in 2020. Uh, he's physical. He is a size-speed guy, very limited route tree, so it's a lot of go routes, some slants too, but that that's, that could be successful in the NFL. I mean, like, look at, look at Michael Thomas. His own team calls him Slant Boy. And then now he's doing all this drama and stuff like that. So, and he loves to fight for extra yards. He's a fantastic blocker, um, which will help him get him out on the field. So, yeah, it's all it's all up to the senior bowl for me for this guy. He, he Okay, sorry about that technical difficulty there. My apologies for everyone. Uh, let's get back to it now. Jalen Tolbert, yeah. Size, speed, not great round but he can go deep. He can do slants, physical blocker, get him on the field. He's going to be a lock day three, like minimum, with some upside for higher for higher draft capital. Uh, my wide receiver 14 this year is going to be Wake Forest, Shakari Robertson. For all those PFF fans out there, I believe he was a top three rated PFF receiver last year. Couldn't tell you I was doing this year. I've not watched Wake Forest this year. I will absolutely go back and check out their tape. Dude is six foot one, two 
182 is a little on the slimmer side. He has a 46.9% dominant rating in a Power 5 conference. Um, he is he is a 2020 second team All-ACC. And his internal competition, so if you guys were a Sage Surratt fan last year, Sage Surratt did not, did not get drafted. He was a UDFA. Jakar Robson absolutely stole the show last year. He's a better prospect, too. Now, he is a slot technician. He lines up in the slot. That's what he does. He plays a big slot role. He is great at game separation. He is a great route runner. He has good hands. He has excellent vision. I'm worried about his speed. I, I don't know how fast he is when I watch his tape. Um, he's good at making men miss in the open field. He does some nice juice, some nice cuts. But then I think he lacks the burst and speed to capitalize on the space that he created. And then he gets caught you know, fairly quickly after making a man miss. So I'm a little lower on Jacoby Robinson, but he can absolutely prove me wrong. Uh, he produced 7.6 yards after contact, which scored ninth in the FBS against single coverage. Uh, and he fights for his yards. I don't know why I'm lower on him. Like, I, I see these stats. I see these numbers. When I watch the tape, I, I don't see it. I absolutely do not see it. I'm super confused. I just don't get it. So why is he your 15 now is Dave Flowers? A lot of people are big fans of Zay Flowers. Not, not, not myself. Um, I am not. Uh, he's he's a route runner again. He is again a part of the ACC. He goes to Boston College. His internal competition was Hunter Long. He's five foot eleven, one seventy eight, with a thirty three point eight percent dominant rating. But again, a sophomore breakout age. Uh, he's undersized, uh, but he's 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 good at what he does. He he has great lateral agility in the open space. Um, he even showcases some vertical ability. Uh, I just don't think with his size, he's too small to be physical. And I don't know if he has the actual speed to make his size okay. You know, like, a, I don't want to say Tutu Alvo, but like, you know, I'm not Devontae Smith undersized. He's the highest winner. So who cares? And then you got Tutu Alvo, who's small, but his thing was speed. And then he had a poor comp. I think he ran like a 4.39. And he weighs 155. So... I have high, we had high expectations for a better combine out of Tutu, but it's not what we saw. So those are my top 15. Now I'm going to talk to you about, now this is week three, so I'm going to talk to you guys about like four of my draft rises right now. And that's that's going to be Wondell Robinson's number one. Uh, Kentucky transfer from Nebraska. He was the former Mr. Football from Kentucky. He was the recruiter of the state. Um, we thought he was coming to us. I, I graduated from UK. I don't know if you missed that earlier. Uh, but it went to Nebraska. I don't know why anybody goes to Nebraska. It's like where talent goes to die. It's like the, the Michigan of, of, of G5 schools. Um, anyway, he was a four-star recruit. He was the nation's number two all-purpose back and was the top. Oh, that's, that's, excuse me, that's high school. He had offers from schools like Alabama, still chosen to go to Nebraska. So as a freshman, he ranked fourth maximum on all FBS freshmen all-purpose yards. He was a running back coming out switched over to wide receiver um his sophomore year when we started splitting carries he saw a lot more passing down work and now as a junior he transferred over to kentucky and he's absolutely killing it so far for 2021 his dominator is at 34.1 percent uh he had an early breakout age when he was 18 as a freshman and if he comes to the draft he's going to be an early declare and that's going to hit three major categories on our on our um on our scale and he, he gets separation. He has great hands. He's not afraid of contact. He used to be a, a running back. And I believe he has excellent route running ability. Um, his speed's a little bit of a concern. I've, I've seen him get, get caught up 
you know, I've seen defenders catch up to him um, when he has a good step on him. Uh, he's he's sub 180, so that also concerns me too. It says he's 5'11". I think he's shorter than that personally, but we'll, we'll wait for the combine numbers for all that. But right now, his skill set looks like he's ready to go for the NFL. Um, he'll be obviously stuck in the slot because of his size, but he's looking great so far. Now, the next one is going to be coming from Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss has just been an absolute like elite talent uh, factor. You got AJB and TK Metcalf, and now we got Elijah Moore coming out. Uh, Matt Coral is getting first round buzz as a quarterback. And we're all wondering who's the next big wide receiver out of Ole Miss. And I'm looking at Deontay Drummond. I mean, John Domingo looks good too, but I'm going to right now say it's Ontario Don, Drummond. I'm going to mess that up a couple more times and call him Drummond. He's six foot one, two twenty. He's a three-star JUCO recruit. That's right. He came from JUCO, so he chose to go to East Mississippi Community College, where he led his school to a national title in 2017 and 2018. Um, we're only three games in, obviously. But he's already posting a 39% dominant rating this year. He is a late breakout. He's going to be 24 by the time the draft hits. But if he keeps this pace up, I, I do believe he's going to get that day two draft capital. You know, maybe a late third. But I think he can sneak in there, and then he's going to be somebody to watch. Um, at least he'll have that mark for analytics down. Because draft capital is, is the most important portion of all this. Now, the next guy is going to be... Well, right, let, me, let me go back to Drummond real quick. I, I think he has great hands. He, he he can make difficult catches. He has good ball tracking skills. I believe twice, though, I watched him drop the ball upon contact, though. And that's that's a little concerning to me. Um, so I hope he cleans that up. Oh, no, I'm getting him mixed up with somebody. Please forgive me. I'm talking about our next prospect. Let me just go right to him. That's going to be Maryland's receiver, Dante Demas. Now, Raheem Jarrett is stealing a lot of hype because he's going to be part of that that highly accredited, highly talked about 2023 class. But Dante Demas is the guy coming out this year. He had a breakout age when he was a sophomore, so it's okay. He's going to be a late declare, so he's going to miss that. He's six foot four, two seventeen, so he has that alpha, like prototypical X receiver size. Um, he's lined up not only in the slot but out wide, and they also use on the end rounds too, on some rushing plays. So. He has like a diverse skill set, and, and teams are going to respect this too. Uh, he looks pretty fast as well too. I got to wait for the combine, but he's no he's no like four six guy. You know, he's going to get in the four fives. I think maybe four fours, probably four fives though. Um, he's the one that has two drops in the West Virginia game where he really like received contact and dropped the ball. I, I, he needs to clean that up. Those are just concentration drops, so not a big deal. Um, he just needs to improve his awareness, too, on sidelines. It's a lot of times where he's, like, making a juke and he goes to the out, outside line, and that's fine. But he steps out of bounds, you know, instead of staying in. He's just a little bit out, and he'll – it's just little things he needs to clean up on his game for me to feel better about drafting somebody that's that old that late in the game. And now we're at our last prospect here, and that's going to be Jalen Cropper. He's a – Junior from Fresno State. He is six foot one seventy three. So another lightweight guy. He's a three star recruit out of high school. He has a current twenty seven point four percent dominator for the year, and he has a sophomore breakout age. Now, if he declares for the draft, he will be an early declare. If he stays to add on size, I can absolutely see that. 
but I believe if he becomes the NFL, he'll get day two draft capital. I really do. He, he's a versatile athlete coming out of high school. He's lined up at wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and even defensive back. So he has a very diverse skill set. Uh, freshman year, he was second on the team with 652 all-purpose yards. So as a freshman, he's, he's been a day one producer. And he has a good, a good quarterback, too, and Jake, Jake Hayner. I might, I might mess it up, too. But his quarterback is pretty good. So he's a G5 prospect. He's fourth in the conference in receptions per game with six. And he finished in the league averaging 86.7 receiving yards per game last year. During his two ranked opponents last year, he looked dominate. He's also thrown a touchdown this year. So he can be used for trick plays. They use him for rushing plays too. That versatile skill set is going to appeal to NFL coaches as well as his speed. He's 173. He is fast. He's a burner. Um, and the NFL loves speed. As much as like you know prospects like Anthony Shorts, right? Um, as a prospect coming out, I thought he was pretty talented. If you listen to Dyson's podcast, I believe they joked about how he should probably just give up football and just just go do track because he's got that speed. And when I watched this team from Auburn, Anthony Shorts just did they just did dump offs and they did jet sweeps and they did you know stuff real close to the line. That's that's like the only way they used him. And so I I thought he wasn't too talented, um, but he still got that day two draft capital because he's the fastest prospect in the class. I don't know if Jalen Cropper is the fastest in the class, but I know he's got the speed to impress and he's going to impress me with that 40 times speed. So if he doesn't want to stay in to build up his frame, like Chris Olave did, if he declares, I do think he's getting day two draft capital just from his current skill set. Uh, he's currently on a eight game touchdown streak, I believe. You guys can fact check me on that. I'm not feeling too confident about that, but he's productive. This is the point. He, he is absolutely productive, and he's, he's killing the competition. So I think I went through 19, 19, uh, 19 prospects for you guys. These are my current 2022 wide receiver draft watch lists. These are the guys I'm keeping close attention to. Again, about 15 of these guys are going to get that, that day one, day two draft capital. That's what we love. Uh, remember only... I believe I listed off four guys after, like like round four, were relevant. Now, if you want to extend that to round five, yeah, you have Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill. But these guys aren't possible to predict. If you want to look at Tyreek Hill's college production, it was non-existent. I, I believe he was drafted to be a punt returner, and then he just took off. He is just absolutely a unicorn. He's, he's a one-of-a-kind guy. And uh, Antonio Brown's the same way. Came from a small school. There's going to be outliers in your drafts, but these indicators and what Jake and I are trying to do here is limit it down so you can have a better, more educated guess. Because that's what it is. It's, it's educated guessing. Um, yeah. Hey, that's about it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, again, I am at FF underscore Dirty Mike. You can find my stuff at Campus to Kin. If you have any questions about RIC or prospects, let me know. Um, I'll be joining you guys next week, probably again by myself. I hope Jake can stop by. Might bring on some of the campus to Canton guys and talk about running back prospects. All right, everybody. Have a good night.